Welcome to Trust the Motherfucking Man. It's a podcast. People love music. I hope you love it. Hello and welcome. This is Colin Campbell with Trust the Band. This is a podcast for musicians and music fans who want to understand the minds, the methods, the madness, and the fucking mayhem and money behind world-class music. Today, I'm interviewing. I'm going to share an interview with you. I'm so happy to share this interview. It's with John Hubcap. They're a progressive rock band in Montreal. Their lineup consists of my friends, Travis Arnold, on vocals and guitar, Michael Oates on guitar, Gordzilla on bass, and Vincent Poirier on drums. It's a dynamic range of fucking awesome musicians. Guys, I'm speaking to you right now. I'm so sorry for not getting this out sooner. You know, I struggle with the production elements of this podcast. It's because I have severe ADD. I go from one moment to the next, and it's like, Roll of the dice, what's going on right now? And all that's consistent is shame, shame and guilt that sometimes I don't get things done fast enough. God damn it. So I'm working on it. And part of that is A, just committing to the the suck, like doing the fucking uploading kind of just sucks. Until I find another person and develop the, uh, the what's it called? A coffer, the basic economic structure that can support a, a person to produce the show. I can't wait until I can just sit down and talk to people and the show is produced in live um, via support. So anyway, uh, I'm so very thankful to interview this group. In this interview, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. You know, Travis shares some insights about the importance of being selective of different show shows. Um, Michael opens up about the joys and challenges of performing live. Gord offers some fucking awesome street smart advice on the economics of music. And I think that, like, in summary, Vincent, uh, he shares his perspective on the band's creative journey. But in my recollection, I can say that uh, what I got from it, looking back, is to be selective about the shows that you're you're going into. And you're going to hear that throughout the, the interview. So... I hope you are having a tremendous day. I think they have, you know, you probably just go to the socials. Go to John Hubcap. That's J-O-H-N-H-U-B-C-A-P. John Hubcap. I hope you're having a tremendous day. Oh, listen, if you like this episode, share it. I'm not going to bombard you with a bunch of garbage ads that's not the the model here. I don't even know what the model is. I hope that at some point I'm like I'm not like I have to eat my foot and start advertising for I'm definitely some sort of like a Dupont high, high amount of chemicals like pouring chemicals into the biosphere. <laughs> the corporate man becoming a part of the corporate man, a complete opposite to what I've said so far that I'm not going to run a bunch of bullshit ads. <laughs> But share it, you know, share this podcast. Where does money come from from this podcast? Nowhere right now. I'm supporting it from my jobs. So it's it's all good. But I, I love the opportunity to interview cool musicians like this. And we're going to figure this thing out together. At the end, we'll just die together. Not together at different times, but we'll all die. You might as well make your life meaningful from now on. Hope you're having a tremendous day and take care for now. I probably said... I hope you have a tremendous day a bunch of times right there. It's just one of those standard 
standard fucking linguistic things that I, I say without actually thinking. <laughs> I'll apologize in advance. You're welcome. Anytime uh, we, I've seen you guys twice officially and uh, the $20 song fucking I love this shit. It, it's such a good it's like uh, it's got prog. It's got like some mayhem. It's got punk. I love the premise of it. The idea of a $20 bill going around from place to place. Who what's the how did that come about? Um, I, I actually I, I specifically remember when we first talked about it. It was just after we uh, we kicked our old drummer out. Um, it's a whole different story. But we were sat in that restaurant, that vegan restaurant. Uh, not the Copper Branch. Um, who cares? Vegan restaurant. Vegan restaurant. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, Ovive. Ovive. Yeah. yeah, and uh, like I was actually thinking about this. Like, oh, we should do the video of passing a twenty dollars, and then we sat down. And then Gord says, y'all had this great idea. We should do the music video of like the, a day in the life of $20. I was like, that's what I, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So like it just sort of came, I guess. I mean. It was I conceptual mean, first. Uh, just pass the mic when it, uh, whenever. Yeah, I think from it makes sense from a music video perspective, right? Like you just basically fall the $20 around, right? Because the song is really about you got the $20. You're never going to spend it in something that feeds your long-term best interest. It's like, I got this 20 bucks. I need to feel as good as I can in the next 20 minutes. So what am I going to spend it on? Right. And you know, obviously we can follow the story of the $20. People are gonna, yeah. Well, f- drugs, number one, but it could be anybody. It could be some guy is going to spend it. I don't know. It goes to a, a movie theater or something, but you're going to see where this $20 goes, maybe from something a bit more wholesome to, you know, something a bit, a bit less. Dirty. So yeah, yeah, exact, exact. And and then how did you develop it? What was the process to develop it? The song? Yeah. Um, well, the song was written years ago, and this is like an OG John Humpcap song. I actually, uh, the song was written after, well, it was written a long time ago, like I said, but it was written basically because I was in Vancouver, and I wound up staying the night because I had a little over 20 bucks in my bank account, and uh, I had to drive back home, about 60-kilometer drive, so I'm like, hmm, I should buy some gas. So I go into the gas station, and I realize I don't have any smokes. So I bought not one, but two packs of smokes with my last $20, and uh, I had to spend the night in my car, slept the night in my car. I got the direct deposit in the morning, so I was able to make it, but I remember thinking, wow, and they were were charcoal filters, so I'm like, I made a horrible decision with this $20 here, so I chain smoked these horrible cigarettes, and uh, I mean, that was the premise of it. You're just wasting wasting your money, wasting your life almost, right? But... The, you know, it's universal. It doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be cigarettes. But it's just you're trading that long-term, like, what is actually going to be good to you for some short-term, you know, uh, dopamine, more or less. Sick. And who's the primary writer who writes the... Well, right. Uh, well, or, here, yeah, you're good. Well, uh, basically, when it first started, it was Travis writing the majority of everything. Okay. Um and when we first started, it was just me and Travis and our drummer, uh, David, in Vancouver. And we were just a power trio just trying to write some music and have some fun. And Travis had some great musical ideas, and me and David were there to make them come true as much as we could. Um, so John Hubcap was in Vancouver. Yeah, that was we were, like we were you very had established the... in Vancouver quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then we moved to Montreal because it's way cooler of a place to live and a way better music scene. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, once, once that started going... Uh, it's like me and David's influence was kind of getting into the songs a bit. And then as 
John Hopkins grew with new members and then eventually moving across the country and stuff like that. Now it's gone from Travis's first ideas of here's half a dozen songs, what can we do with them, to now it's it's a very big team effort where everybody has lots of big ideas yeah. and our sound is established to a certain point where when we come up with stuff, it's not outside of the box of what we kind of do, but we have a big box we play in. So Yeah, I think at the end of the day... And that it, I think everything has got a rock base. But, you know, you'll hear later, we're going to release a song called Leech. Leech is kind of this Latin summer song. You're going to hear a song called Hogwash. Hogwash, to me, classic hard rock. You know, it's a really driving bird song. To me, that's like Led Zeppelin maybe hits Rush. And then $20. Chili Peppers, though. Oh, Chili, chili Peppers. So chili Peppers, peppers Led Zeppelin. Peppers. Yeah. And then you hear $20. That's like Primus. I don't know, Primus, you know, right? You know, well, you know I, um, I, I sent $20 to me dad. And I, the first thing he said was Zappa. And it's funny. I was I was laughing. I was laughing at that because yeah, like I can see when that. I I I joined from a Facebook ad that Travis put out, and one of the first things he said like, "Yeah, we got big Zapper influences." So I was like, "Oh yeah, well, cool. who who doesn't like Zapper, right?" And then like just straight away, people just tell me like that's the first thing they they compare us to Zapper. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, so lots of influences. As Gord said, a lot of the original songs, you know, I, I did them, I did the demos, but I'm excited for these new ones because we're using different writing processes, right? So we have a new song called Sick Around coming out. Mike wrote that one. I threw his, you know, his riffs into a demo and then basically, you know, it's, it's, it was a very much a team effort. We have another song, you've heard a bird song, and that was just a jam. You know, we're like, yeah, hey, yeah. here's a riff. Sounds cool. Here's another riff. Sounds cool yeah. together. Let's write some lyrics. That was the tune, right? So... I'm just looking forward to going ahead because I think that we're still refining the way we write things, right? And with, with Vince and Mike had, adding a lot of new uh, dynamic ideas into the band, it really helps, right? And we try to be democratic about it, right? If something sounds good or doesn't, anybody should have a say, and you know, we try to listen to that. And one thing that I like about like playing an old song now, that we're a new band, is listening to the old stock and like shit it's the same song but it's really fucking not the same song you know yeah because you're attacking it, it, it in a new time yeah because i'm a new drummer michael wasn't there before and like it's a whole new perspective just by changing up two musicians mm -hmm. but it's the same song it's the same chord it's not the same bpm it's not the same like everything but it's really similar but it's all it's a whole different like vibe you know? uh, in some cases i'm like you guys are you're massacring my baby but on the other hand like yeah. it's like it does i think <laughs> ultimately <laughs> ultimately yeah. it it's for the best 100 percent. like it winds up being a good product yeah no i i remember like uh because when vince came in he like totally totally changed beats in this song called hogwash which is coming out later and then I remember listening to the original version, the original version is recorded, or even the version with our old drum, and it's like, oh, wow, that's, it's a totally different song. It's got so much more energy. It's, got, it's like, it's the same, as you said, it's the same song, but it's, it's like, wow, Vince has just breathed this new life into it, and that's what's cool about going through old songs and redoing them. You can, like, it's almost like you're, you're changing the first draft, kind yeah. of, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic that when you have players, uh, you're going to be mixing in different colors. Even if you have a song that's pretty clear as a writer, you can't help but, you know, especially when you're collaborating th with two different drummers, it's a completely different song because of the interpretation. I think it's kind of... I think it's kind of your duty as as a songwriter to consider who you're writing the song for and with. Because, you know, I, I, I've written demos for or sorry, recorded demos for basically all the songs. And when we're done, 
The bass line is nothing like I would have envisioned it. Yep. The drums, I mean, I put a drum track on it, so it's like, of course, they're gonna be different and better. But even, even Vince comes by and he, he'll change like like the tempo of it. He'll change the accents to the beat. You're like, holy smokes, man! Like, okay, that changes the way I'm gonna play the guitar, and I'm gonna play the guitar different, which causes Mike to play the guitar different, which changes me, changes me, causes me to sing differently. Like, it's you very much have to expect that, right? So, yeah, yeah, exact. Yeah, not the pizza, but. um on the writing process so i I got the sense that there's no to what degree is it are there parts of the writing process that are set like what i mean is sometimes like i'll write a poem or I, i i'm writing i'm focused specifically on the lyrics and then a bass line we're jamming and then I'm like, Oh, those lyrics will go with this baseline. And then that becomes the song. Um, how, how have you found, what do you, what have you found the things that are consistent in the writing process versus, uh, versus have flexibility and grow with that dynamic between people? Um, most of, most of the stuff that we are we've been doing, it kind of comes up, Music first. Music first. Um, and so we you're have, jamming. Yeah, and we then... have a, either it's either a jam or someone has some or we, a collection of different riffs from different ideas and we throw them all together. Whatever's going to work. But and then we kind of have a basic arrangement of maybe what might be a good idea for me. Oh, we might be use it for a bridge or a chorus or something like that. And then Travis will play with the lyrics a little bit and start coming up with ideas. And then we collectively go well you know what maybe that should go there and that should go there and maybe not like that or instead of having instead of doubling that one more verse why don't we you know write a new verse on top of that like however it turns out Mm -hmm. so it's basically for right now it's music first and then the lyrics second but i mean that can easily change as fast as the weather in montreal so Mm -hmm. yeah one of the things i remember most when i first came into the band was like how many parts are in the fucking song? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like yeah. If, if you try to like yeah, not name, all, name all the parts, <laughs> yeah. there's no, like, no, not, oh, I think there's not enough words in music theory to describe how many parts there is. It's, it's like there's an intro, there's a verse, there's a bridge, there's an upper bridge, there's a fucking lower bridge, then there's a chorus, and I'm like... Nine solos. Uh, and the nine <laughs> solos. And then you get to the fucking chorus, and it's like two bars long. Yeah. <laughs> and that one weird bar of two, four in the middle oh. of for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and th- that's one thing I liked about like being in this band. It's like, it's so different. It's like, it's not like a intro verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, done kind of song. I find that so hard to get away with. Like we have, you know, so we're working on the song and Vince is right. We had this new song called Drag on Drags coming out, which I'm excited for. It's like a story or it's a song about like all the crazy people I met in Vancouver when we were playing the punk metal scene. Right. So like, anyways, it's going to be killer. But as we're doing it, yeah, it's like intro, hook, verse, verse A, verse B, chorus Primus A, chorus surf. B, primus <laughs> surf, like all these parts. And, but at the end of the day, it still is hard to get away from that intro verse chorus verse bridge chorus kind of you know basic structure a lot of songs get from i, I feel like you, su- you succeeded in that dude yeah. we're, we're gonna get there we're gonna get there <laughs> so again this was uh because I, I felt the same way when i first joined the band i was like you know i got like travis wrote me out some basic tabs and chord sheets for um it was twenty dollars no sorry twenty dollars boots hogwash i think 
and Grill Singer and Grill Singer as well. Yeah. And like there were so many parts and none of them were just verse, chorus, verse. Like, for example, in Grill Singer, there's one bit where he says chicken picking part. And then I was listening to the song and thinking, but he doesn't do chicken picking there. You know, the picking technique? He meant, no, that's that's the line. He says chicken picking. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. So I'm going to have to fucking decipher this. Like it's <laughs> hieroglyphic. So, so, so I decided to challenge this. I write this song. I compose a song sick around and I was like, Right, you know what? You, you want a load of fucking weird parts? I'm gonna give you a load of fucking weird parts. I'm gonna. <laughs> there's this like there's the intro, which to me, um, I, I derived it from a blues lick, but I play it in a way where it's like, um, I, you know, I try to make it sound all janky and crooked and just yeah, not like comfortable. Black Sabbath meets like Alice in Chains. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it just breaks down into this angelic feel, and I'm I was literally just thinking like throughout this whole process of composing this song, I was like. Let's get fucking weird with it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, we like weird, man. We absolutely like weird. Well, we have the freedom to. So yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Like, so, you know, the whole point of the band was really, I, you know, we did want to explore different things, right? And again, we're, we're rock-based, but just because our rock band doesn't mean you can't do fun, interesting, not really commonly done things, right? Like, you know, I think people think rock, and it's like, oh, it's going to be ACDC, it'll be Guns N' Roses, kind of a template, but... We try to. We definitely try to avoid that, right? We try to use chord voicings, which are you know a bit different. Song structures are a bit different. Even the lyrics can be a bit different, right? So you know, as long as it's a bit different every time, I think that's our goal. Yeah, our next song is about the day where we're gonna throw it back to you, and by now you should have somehow. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) Classic cover song. You know what? Mike unironically likes that Oasis. So just warning you guys if you hear any more Wonderwall. Any, I don't know if, uh, if this is going to make it over to my British mates, but any British lad, after watching the football and drinking 10 pints of beer, knows how good Wonderwall is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love it. I love that song. I love those songs. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a joke, though. You can't make the joke around Mike because he will take you up on the dare and he was going to play Wonderwall. So. <laughs> um, Sixth time in a row. <laughs> on, on the uh, logistics side or like fan building sort of marketing side, what have you guys learned about building up fans, building up fans and like getting that side of, uh, of it down or like, uh, doing a ha- that stuff a kind of harsh reality is it's not enough to be good i don't want to sound yeah. I, I might sound big-headed here i'm sorry but i am and obviously i'm biased but i think we're really good so i put out a song and we put we put out a song and i'm like this is really good people are gonna love this but it's not in this digital day and age it's not enough you have to have good social media presence you have to have a good plan you have to have a tag plan it's not like the days of Led Zeppelin where you keep playing shows and eventually the A&R man shows up and you, you're suddenly a millionaire driving, flying around in private jets. It's like you have to... The music's just one part of it. You've got a good social media presence, good promotion, and it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm constantly thinking, like, i got to do another Facebook status. i got to do a new Instagram post. i gotta, I got to do this. What, what's new? Am I am I repeating myself? And it's, it's a whole... 
of a bowl game these days. Fucking right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It's a hundred percent tough, and you, anyone can see it. You go on YouTube and you can find the most amazing guitarist, drummer, bass. Doesn't matter anything you want, and it'll be some guy who's got a thousand views on YouTube. He's never gonna get known, and he's gonna blow your mind. For example, I just share with these guys. There's a a guy, and he plays a cover of the song called Peelin Taters. No joke. Best instrumental I've ever heard in my life. It's a guy, one guy playing a slide guitar, and you'll never hear that ever. Like it's like. You know, it's the unfortunate reality. So I think we're still working on a strategy here. Hey, Gord, take it. Well, the there's there's a there's two evil things to promotion on the internet. One, you have to do it in a way and gain an understanding of how you want to reach the type of fans that you think like your music, and most importantly, you have to figure out how to. <sighs> Break down every Google, Facebook, bullshit, analytic wall that's telling you you can't do anything and try and do it without paying for it because all they want is money. That's it. That's all. They don't give a shit about your band. They don't care about your social influence. They don't care about anything. They want to be able to put their 10-second inane ads on your YouTube video to the point where people are losing interest, not even going through the ads. They just, oh, there's an ad. They click it, and they just move on to something else. They don't even see your content. So that is what you have to break through. Welcome to 2023 reality. Yeah, and I wonder how um, I wonder how we tend to think that it, it was a hell of a lot different before these technologies. And I think that uh, I question whether it was easier because because of the dynamic of the music industry when it was a, the A and R man, um, but well, I was there. So yeah, like, right. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was, I started this music bullshit when the analog was leaving and the digital started coming around. Right. So basically, at a certain level of music industry, nothing's changed. Yeah. If you know somebody, you know somebody. That's how it goes. Who is that when you? define the quote-unquote somebodies what would you say you classify as more valuable as it matters to getting distribution or getting um for instance as an example the way that i've been thinking about uh trust the band the the band not the podcast but um is a strategy if we can open for bands who have a fan base of x number of people you know they have an instagram following of let's say 10,000. Um, if we can open up for those bands, we're exposing ourselves, not in a weird way. No, no, that... To, but we're, we're getting exposure to their crowd, and that's like a strategy. That's that, just one in kind of a multi-dimensional well, see, like, jewel. Before the internet, that was the strategy. The strategy, right. Right, and yeah. uh, the thing is, like, you relentlessly played, like, you would do loops where you have, you pick 10 towns, and you would visit those 10 towns four times a year. Yeah. And... That is that still is applicable? Gain, that is how you gain, and it's that's very applicable today. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and especially being... if you can get people who like to engage, and you invite people to engage in your music. Hey, please take our picture. Please put it on your Instagram bullshit, and let us let, let <laughs> your friend know about that you're at our show and you're having fun. Right? Seriously, yeah. I want you to do that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Videotape me, bootleg my concert. I don't care because you know what. It's not going to affect me much if a thousand people hear that. Yeah. Um, if that, if what what does affect me is if one of those thousand people, dad works at a record company 
and someone says, hey, you know what? I heard this band. You should check out these guys. That, from day one, is how it goes. It's who you know and who you fall in the lap of. Yeah. And that's it. But just now, unfortunately, there's this big, huge, white digital noise wall in front of you that is the main stopping block. And you have to get past that to get to step two. And that is the huge challenge because before you could literally pay, here's a thousand bucks, I want to go on tour with this band for four dates. And you would pay, you would do that. You would literally pay the the, the radio stations. Here's a thousand bucks, make sure my, my shit gets played for a week. Now they do it, oh, well, you can uh, buy these promotional packages. It's all payola. It's all bullshit. <laughs> buy a T-shirt from the band from their website. If they have a website. If they don't have a website, go see the band and give them money to them. Or Bandcamp. Or Bandcamp. Preferably Bandcamp because that's the best one everybody seems to use. And that's my favorite personally. So. That must feel so fucking good. I, I know that I played this show. Uh, it, it was a digital like EDM show at a rave. And they had a $15 ticket. And then getting paid to play and, and, being, and having that appreciation or like the people who after the show follow and like having that real connection with people is one of the most fucking gratifying things. And it requires, it's like the, the force of gravity. Um uh, the force of gravity where you have this spaceship, right? Like in order to go into space, you need to have all the resources to build the fucking ship. You have to have the planning in order to make the ship work and go in the sky. Then you have to break gravity, which is like so much energy and effort in order to get into space. But those like the hard work is that one-to-one -one connection, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's never been easier to make music. I mean, we're, we're in your living room right now, and right. there's a whole studio here, DJ decks, keyboards, the works, right? Right. You can, after we're done here, you can go and make a song, like, right now. Right. You couldn't do that back in the day. You needed, no one had the equipment just at hand, right? So, like, everyone's making music. And, and distributed. Yeah, yeah. That's it's fucking easy. crazy. It's so that crazy. That is fucking crazy. You can sit... Yeah, right. Yeah, but but the problem is now is like because so many the the market's kind of saturated, you know. Yeah. On one hand, it's great because for the listener, you got a million bands at your fingertips. You can do that. But now it's but then for the artist, you're like, well, how? What's your what? What is the strategy to stand out? Like, how how do you make it so that that person clicking on their phone clicks your band and not anyone else? It's became more competitive in a way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do feel. I do feel these days there's no curated music. Like back in the day, and by the way, I wasn't there. I was born in 93. I've never gone on a record store in my life. It's always been either LimeWire or Spotify, Lime right? That's it, man, all the way. Damn, dude, but straight up. There was a point in time where you went on the record store, and there would be a curated selection of maybe some local artists, some favorites of the guy who runs it, maybe some other artists, which the record company are saying, hey, you got to put these up if you want to get some deals or some other records. So you'd get that. But nowadays, there's not really any of that. Yeah, there's like the Spotify front page, but you know that's going to be like Taylor Swift. That's going to be like Pitbull. That's all like the big, 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 big guys. Yeah. yeah. And there's no way you're going to compete with that. So there is a local scene and I trust me I love playing live man that's why I do this but it's definitely not the same where you know you're not going to ever be able to put your music out 
to an audience in the way you used to. Like, yeah, you can pay for the booth, but as Gord said, it's money. And it's money that we don't really have the ability to compete with, you know, when we really consider who the competitors are, which is the global market. It's not your mom and pop record shop who might, you know, say I, I, I printed out 500, 1,000 records. You know, I might have a, and you can, you can set that to the record and someone's going to buy it. Like, yeah, I can do that. And there might be some local record shops, but it's not how most people consume it nowadays. So mm -hmm. the competition's really hard. And it is hard to get yourself noticed on a global level. How do you guys, uh, or what have you guys done to have a structured conversation around that? Like to sit and really think through the strategy or like, how do you guys work in that dynamic? Aside from the music or creating art, do you have, do you change the hats up and sit and talk about marketing or like oh, yeah. strategy? Yeah, yeah. I, I yell at them via WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got, I got the unfortunate title of social media manager <laughs> in the yeah. band. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like... It's like selling short stocks or it's something. Just, it's yeah. just tiring. It's just tiring. Because like, you know, I started us a TikTok. I, like, I've been posting, like, curating the Instagram so it looks all nice. And it's like... I don't know. It, it, it's something like I'm always look. I'm when I'm looking at trends, it, it's kind of turned my phone into a job because I'll look at trends and I'll be like... Could John Hubcap do that? Could like I like I was mentioning, uh, I I did a an edit where I put one of our uh, songs into a scene of Friends, you know, like as a bit of a joke. And you got to constantly be thinking about that shit and find out the way to do it. I mean, it's for you say I, I there's this and I don't I can't remember how I found them, but there's this Indian restaurant in Australia. I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah. I am going somewhere with yeah. this. And they they made these really ironic memes like these like totally left field weird memes and they went completely viral they got picked up and they were just these crazy memes that they were doing and like it, if you get it right you can do that because now i know the existence of this random indian restaurant in australia right, right. you know like if you get it right but it seems like it's so hard to get it right, and you got to pick. It's, it's, it's almost a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's catching lightning in a bottle, eh? Like yeah. you know, on one hand, yeah, you got to be clever. It's got to be a cool meme. There's got to be something that's like relevant. But on the other hand, even if it is cool, how do you make sure people see it? Right, well, you're competing at, you, with everyone. See, and that's 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 the key because I mean, they're with uh, the way that it's all on social media and digital and stuff like that. I mean, that is where you want the interaction from your fans. Make us a meme. Yeah. Put us put it put our music on your do a crazy TikTok video and throw our music in the background, please. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because that is and like that is like don't put the same goddamn song on every TikTok video. Yeah. You don't need to. Please grab a there's a billion bands and out most there. Most of them are shit. Most yeah. of those songs that are on most of those songs are on every TikTok, especially that oh no, no, no <laughs> that song. I hear those songs, I'm immediately like, I don't care how funny your video is, I'm swiping up. Put some good fucking music on your TikTok. Oh, no. Yeah. In fact, actually, yeah, maybe Gordon, you want to talk about that, but I did the, so funny enough, I did this video with that Didario thing with yeah. Birdsong in the background, yeah. and that got a shit ton of reactions. Yeah. So, to tell the story. Yeah, so that's, so that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, um, see, that's where the that's where the whole interaction comes in with, with your fans. And, and like, you know, especially if you have... Fans, like, we have a lot of listeners that are not in North America, a lot in the States, a lot in Europe, yeah. and a lot in Australia, and we have even some in Indonesia and Japan that are, like, consistent yeah. listeners, That's right? fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, that's fucking but cool. With, yeah, for people in Bosnia, yeah, but the Bosnian guys dig it. Things like that. That is where <laughs> the good thing about the social media stuff is that fans that may never get to see us unless we go tour Japan, knock on wood, one day or something shit. like that. Um, they can help support the band Konnichiwa. and put their two cents in by a buying merchandise and downloading our songs. That's what everybody usually does. But be creative. Take our music and do something with it. You know, mash a bunch of cartoons up and make a crazy hyper edit and throw some John Hubcap thing on and make it really stupid and funny because something like that could take off. It would help you as a creator. It would help you as a fan. It would make you feel damn good because you're certainly helping an independent band. And it would make us a little bit, little bit more well known. And that's all we ask, right? And you got, and you got free bass strings. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. And here's a perfect scenario. You got free bass strings. Yeah. Like so. That's it. The the bass the bass uh, string company Dario, which is a fantastic bass. Okay, yeah, you dressed uh, up as them as Halloween. I've Halloween. used their strings more than a few times yeah. um, over the years. Um, I usually play uh, Rota Sounds or or or, or Dario's, but uh, just before Halloween, Dario posted on their Twitter. Uh, Hey, if you you know if you take a if you dress up like a set of Dario strings, we'll send you some strings. And I'm like, does that include bass strings? And they're like, hell yeah! And I went done. So I dressed. I made a I made a costume of me with looking like a Dario string with lights and all kinds of shit. They awesome. sent me a shirt. They sent Fuck me yeah. three packs of strings, a little thing. They featured me. They they put it. They put the stuff out on their social media and stuff like that. So I mean, that's exact and that's huge. Now Dario is a very well-known company, and uh, they can now be associated with us and vice versa. Like, someone will go through all the D'Addario little tweets and Instagram posts and go, what the hell is that guy dressed up like a strings for? And that's me. Yeah, right. And then someone's going to know who my band is now all of a sudden. See, that's how you really, really help bands. That's fucking sick. And social media for that is really positive. I think that, you know, as we were talking about this, what I'm uh, thinking about in regard to this topic is where you can find the two concentric circles. Like, is there a distribution network to for instance, there's this distribution network that you're connected with and then there's the music itself. Yeah. How can you, there's this thing that I feel where I wouldn't want to make a jingle for some fucking bullshit, like milk company. Yeah. I would, if they paid yeah. me. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, or I would, if it was like, if it was something that is artistically meaningful, it, if it could be something that's like I have fun doing, yeah. then yes. If they give you carte blanche to be creative. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we don't get paid at all, and we still have carte blanche to be creative. So that's where our priorities are. Really. <laughs> Fair yeah, that's true. Okay, cool. At a, at a different stage, you have different criteria. Like yeah. if you're beholden to some fucking, like um, some company, I mean, that's the age old, like have a cigar you know, hey, which one's pink? It's like these producers kind of own your creative when yeah. you do the deal, but it's not like any one of us is there yet yeah, to make yeah. that distinction. I mean, my cousin, my cousin recently got you, uh, his song got used on BT Sport, which is like, um, it's like an N, it's like an NPC, it's like NBC Sport or whatever. It, you know, it, it shows it shows the English Premier League. It's one of the big sports channels, and his song got used on that, but it wasn't like they asked him to make a song for them they just he he makes the songs that he likes uh and he makes the songs that he loves and just like 
if, as you say, carte blanche because he's doing it for his own creative output. And it, you know, and when I first heard that, I was like, well, he makes soft indie music. Why are you putting that on a sports channel? And then, but it's like it, it is that thing where it's like if someone, if this mindless producer, you know, you don't want to think of your music in that way. But if you can think like, well. If an art, if they can use this in an advert or a, a promotional video or whatever, you take it, right? Because even if we make a song that we love, Birdsong, $20, Hogwash, whatever, and then some producer hears it and they're like, oh, that would be great for the this advert. That would be great for such and such. It's like, you, ha- you kind of have to take it. It feels soulless, but in this day and age, you getting on an advert or a little clip, that can be massive. And it's it's a shame to say that. But as long as we're not suddenly writing fucking jingles about the new Ford truck, like I'm quite happy to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like a uh, a good example is that is uh the the jet song, the the one they did for I think it was Nike, that was ba- it's basically it's basically an Iggy Pop riff that they re- that they made their own song the right. Jet. Yeah. You know you're gonna be my girl. Yeah, you're oh, gonna yeah, be my yeah. girl. Oh, so that that yeah. that was that. Some guy talk to his friend at Apple and say, hey, we're making these really loud, colorful commercials and we need some high-energy music. He goes, well, I just happen to have this band. And bang. Because nobody heard who those guys were before the Apple commercial. Yeah. And as Damn. soon as the iTunes commercial came out, they sold 3 million copies on iTunes. Go figure. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's a cool story. But one, uh, I mean, this used to be a big thing. Is like, you know, when people say like, oh, I hate that song because it reminds me of the advert. And then you, but then it was a good song before. And you're like, God, I hate that that song is now associated with the advert. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of one thing I fear. Like you guys know um, Roundabout by Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, that's, the, that's the theme tune to the anime Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. I can't and watch that show. I'm I, not going to watch it. I'm not. I like, love that like, song. I, I see. I, I don't want to taint. I don't want to taint like, it. People are like, oh my God, it's the theme from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm like, no. No. It's Fucking roundabout by fucking yes, one of the best prog rock bands of all time. Fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, where art intersects commerce is a lot, a lot of people get maimed, maimed there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Unless it's done the right way. Like a lot of ways. Um, a lot of a lot of ways that it's done right is um, music for video games, actually. Like. Uh, like uh, the the NHL 2K stuff is and like uh, the you know the Tony Hawk skateboard games, mm. the SSX games. Like there's there's Great certain games that certain GTA. yeah GTA oh, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. where you have like there there's dedicated portions of that game that are dedicated to really kick ass music. That would be fucking sick. Car games, yeah. Car games. Car games, yeah. Car games like like who like I've listened to every song on every GTA radio station a hundred thousand freaking times. For sure. You know what I, mean? I just. <laughs> I just, I, I, so I just fucking drive around on Vice City so I can listen to Hall and Oates, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> just killing prostitutes, drive-bys on prostitutes and gay. Five-star wanted. That would be a, a a sick strategy. As we're talking about this, I'm seeing how many. Yes, there's a high barrier to entry because it's so saturated, and the amount of if you choose your strategy and you stick to a strategy, there's a lot of fucking cool shit that you can do that it's it's hard. You know, it's, being an artist is hard. There's those isolating moments of just demoralized, like, this is never going to work. I'm a yeah. piece of shit. 
and like to to have these conversations and be inspired by something i think it's really important yeah one of the things that like like really like hurt like deep within yourself is like playing in front of nobody yeah inside a bar yeah with like they're only the barman and maybe like one people that's like the girlfriend of someone in the band <laughs> dude yeah oh yeah. yeah but that's but that's yeah. also that's how every band in the entire world I, started like it happens but like it, it just hurts like deep it, it, down inside like yeah yeah it's like a relation it's like a relationship breakup you're gonna go for it everyone's gonna go for it once doesn't mean it doesn't fucking hurt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, I mean, one time I remember when we played um, not La Timash, um, the, the, the restaurant version. Oh, Mar- no, 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 like that really wasn't our fault that was a kind of situation of why the fuck w- did you book a rock band at a fancy restaurant type yeah. thing yeah. were there people so eating there closed for, we closed yeah. for this guy playing like I guess traditional Quebecois music it was like a violin and like a guy playing guitar <laughs> and that's it we come on and we're so loud that we literally just scared everyone away yeah. like, they but, even <laughs> but, but, but at least but at least to be fair one girl actually uh, from the group of people that were at the restaurant one girl actually comes up to me and is like I'm really sorry. You're so good. You're very talented. But we were talking in a restaurant. You guys are so loud. And I'm like, I know we shouldn't be here. <laughs> All I could say is, well, <laughs> we got free meals out of it. So, you know, <laughs> that softens the pain. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I played, uh, I played this EDM set for New Year's Eve. And here, when I'm in the house studio, um, we had this kind of lead up like a floyd sort of like lead up and wish you were here and and we were having fun playing it but live there was probably 100 people in the room and then live it was just this droning sound and 80 people left and there was only like the couple of people that came to support us everyone fucking left the room and it was the most like oh shit we just made everyone leave and then my friend afterwards like yeah it was really that droning obnoxious sound that you played just to like dig the fucking knife in like further it was like really it was horrible it, it hurt <laughs> it's like well a good learning experience if if no one shows up that sucks and if everyone is there and they leave that sucks too <laughs> i love that shit though i think you know last yeah yeah those moments man you need those moments i think you don't want them but you need them they're inevitable. I mean, I think every band's going to do it at some point. They're going to play a show where, like, three people are going to show up. And I mean, it sucks, but it's life, so. Yeah, or you, yeah, it's, yeah, or the, the, the other issue is, like, uh, when you get told one thing by a promoter about how much promotion is going to go into this and all this other good stuff, and uh, you realize that there's, like, a, literally a three-line ad in the text ads in the local uh, entertainment magazine. And there's no posters. Oh, and by the way, here's four posters. Go make copies and distribute them. It's like, no. <laughs> then why am I paying you anything? Why am you, I doing your job for you? Oh, you, you got to pay this. You got to pay this. And you got to pay this. And you got to pay this. It's like, I'm the hired entertainment. <laughs> The word is called hired. I'm not putting the fucking show on because if I was putting the show on, dude, you wouldn't be involved. Right? Um, on that note, if you were to take all of the best learnings you've had over the past uh, 
however long how long have you been a band like or here in montreal together the four of you in this iteration yeah this year and a half yeah Yeah. how many shows have you played together a dozen okay a dozen shows um if you were to on live performance let's talk about live um because that there's a sense of fucking confidence there's a sense of like reality like you're going to a real venue there's the social media aspect but you're actually in a live place like when we played at trackside um one of the the distinctions that i got from that was there's a venue-based audience yeah Mm -hmm. and that was a fucking huge aha it's like oh if people go to this place for the venue and that's their like saturday saturday then there's a thing called a venue-based audience yeah yeah. what have you learned about like the things that if you could replicate the things that work and the things that are effective to bring people to a live scenario, what would be like some of the things you've learned, like key lessons about I, that shit? I actually think one lesson that we kind of had was uh, picking, saying no to shows. We actually, we were getting so... No. Saying the well, no. Well, saying no, because yeah. the thing is, we would like... Um, uh, we were just like really excited. We finally got on track. We finally got on rhythm. We had so many setbacks, so we were just buzzing to get on stage. We were saying yes to everything, but then it get it would get to the point. For example, would take where well, I I was speaking to this guy on Facebook about doing a show somewhere, and then you know it, it really struck me as like okay, they need an opening act. They've got it all set up, and then the more I spoke to them, I was like, oh, uh, they're they're wanting us to do a lot of the work, and we don't quite have that in the in us at this particular moment in time, you know, like we we yeah, can't promise cool. a crowd on our own, we can't promise um setting everything up, doing everything you know we thought that this was their booking to get to us, and then like it, you know it's like we we originally we eventually said no to that show, but it's it's really like if you do all of the if you just keep saying yes to every show, you're gonna tire yourself out with no reward. If you can pick your moments and pick your battles, you can you can play the shows, get everything you want, and still wake up the next day not fucking knackered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that one. Actually, like we we talked to the guy and he, he he was talking to us like he wanted an opening act, and like one of the first thing he said, we want to play first, and it was at a bar at like seven in the evening so there wouldn't be nobody there but he wanted exactly to play that exact hour at like seven and finish at nine and use all our equipment because we would be finishing the show right i was like what the fuck is this we're not doing this (laughs) (laughs) so so establishing a clear like criteria for no is one of the like the first thing like what you're not going to do and not be afraid to say no yeah right don't play too much either because like if you play like three times in a weekend in montreal yeah your friend's gonna come on the first night yeah maybe some will come on the second night on the third night nobody's gonna be there like they they love you but not that much you know and uh, it's like it's important also to like with offer and demand like don't offer too much like because you can't like play in montreal every fucking day and have people there you know Mm-hmm. E- except for venue-based audience, as we were, ta- we were talking about, and that's a big thing. And venue-based audience in Montreal are not like, like. Have you played the Triangle yet? The uh, what's it called? The yeah, the Quai des Brumes and the Esco. I played Quai des Brumes with another band. Okay. Yeah. And it's. And what was that like? 
it's super cool because like that's a venue another venue based audience yeah yeah it's a yeah. venue based audience because it's super famous and like but i've also been to a show where there there wasn't like a lot of people there yeah but playing a packed place it's like it's an incredible feeling that is that, the best feeling that, that's just that the is, best feeling ever yeah but when like there's people waiting outside the door to get to your show that's the fucking best it's like, shit. Yeah. what the fuck man? yeah wow thanks what's COVID. the best yeah thanks on covid the, yeah, th- yeah yeah people are rearing to go no, they're ready this they're is ready. like uh, my, it'll probably be it'll probably go down as my favorite show of my life because yeah. as i say we were coming out of covid we had like i hadn't played a proper show in a while and the ones i did were just small acoustic ones and like then we go to trackside and as coming out of co- lockdown coming out of the fucking we were the second night or the second night that, the that second was the over, second band or the first night or the second night it reopened uh, oh the second no we were the second the second but, night reopened yeah but it was the first night reopening of trackside i thought it was the second but oh, yeah, uh, no, yeah. Uh, anyway, i've i've been to shows in months and trackside yeah. reopens and we're one of the first bands on it, we, we were the second band on and it was just like it was just everyone, we were rearing to go, the crowd was rearing to go, it was just fucking, felt amazing, like it was just this great, because I was always wondering like, oh God, how's the first show going to go, is people back from COVID, and it was just this great relief and this great boost of energy, oh, and like, and the best bit was there were these two couple, well there's this kind of group of friends right in front of the stage, and they'd clearly taken something, they were clearly high <laughs> off their mind, you know, <laughs> but they just like, they just like kept looking at each other during a song, oh, my and God. they just kept going like, Wow! Yeah. Never the part. Just like, oh. uh, <laughs> I, I, it was the bit in sick around when it goes all slow. They just looked at each other like, what, what the fuck is happening? That's awesome. <laughs> was, my favorite was actually because I don't mean, even been attracted. It's got the two the two floors. Oh, I love that place. lady actually slid off the top hit to the ball or not hit the bottom but they started crowd surfing so second floor right one of the, the first crowd surfing amazing show wow. one of the best wow that's fun oh yeah that's oh, yeah. fun what about in uh vancouver uh, or not the, vancouver the best shows we played in vancouver were not i would say like the official venues but there was this like house party scene oh, that we just called man. the blue house and we the probably played there like three or four times and uh Every time you go, it'd be packed and just a bunch of punkers, right? And there, yeah. So I mean, we played it with our other band. We played it with John Hubcap. And there was one time I think we were playing "Rock This Town" by the Stray Cats as a cover, yeah, and like everyone was just like, they, but they're all like higher and something, so they can't sing "Rock This Town" in time at all. But uh, <laughs> phenomenal, man! Absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Sorry, these guys are passing beers. It's distracting me here. It's okay, we're professional here. Yeah. I'm gonna. Pu- yeah. Just gonna put it over here. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Damn, that's fucking sick. Yeah, there's like money, sex, drugs, and getting attention from people. Attention, <laughs> that, yes. Like, those yeah. are some of the best things ever. <laughs> I, I literally have a, a bright yellow fluorescent guitar that just screams, give me attention, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most, it's a pretty 80s looking shred guitar, right? Yeah, it, totally. <laughs> and I play the loudest fucking instrument you can get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you take your shirt off. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. I take my shirt off. <laughs> uh, going forward, future focus. The uh, uh, you're gonna do. You're saying in March. It is now. What the fuck date is it? It's Jan- January. January. Yeah. Um. So March. That's when you're kind of aiming for uh, next show, or what's the next? 
well, I guess we're going into spring, motherfuckers. Yeah, next show, honestly, like we're looking for stuff. We're, I mean, again, it's got to be the right show. Um, honestly, we have a band in Ottawa. They're called Finely Tuned Element, and we've played with them, I think, twice so far, and they're killer. So we want to go down to Ottawa, do a show exchange. You know, there's a another interview, um, uh, a group called Dog and Gus. We wanted to work with them a bit. Uh, so whatever we can get there. We're looking for shows in Montreal. Um, I think our big focus too is just songs. You know, we got a backlog. We got tons of songs ready to be recorded. We got actually even a couple songs being mixed right now that are going to come out. So, um, you know, I guess at this point it's just content and whatever we can do to kind of spread the word that you know, hey, we're a band. We got some really cool, serious music, and we want you to listen to it. So sick. Um, do you have a site, like a website? Is it JohnHubcat.com? You know what? Or? We used to have a site, but I'm going to be honest. The more that I am um, that I, you know, because I work with web development, you know, okay. I've been a programmer for like oh, yeah, seven okay. years now. The more I yeah. deal with it, the more I realize just we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on the big sites. We have John Hubgap, John Hubgap. Yeah, just John Hubgap on Instagram, Facebook, you know, it doesn't matter. Bandcamp, Reverb Nation, we're on all that stuff. And I would just say that's the best place to get to us. We have a link tree which has it. We used to have our own site, but you know, I guess the thing is, like, most people are going to get to you from Facebook yeah. or from whatever the site is anyway. So just keep it there. You know, we'll keep all our eggs in the same place, you know? For sure. For sure. Cool. Um, yeah, this summer's gonna be sick as fuck, dude. And I feel like having a website, like the only thing it gives now is like, oh shit, they have a website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I know, you know what? I, I will almost never go on a band's website because they're gonna be on Spotify. They're gonna be on the sites I'm already on, and the infrastructure's already set up for it. So That's I'm true. sorry, whoever you are, but like, I'm gonna just go to your big company corporate made site, right? I mean, like, I actually read, and I can't remember where I read this, but the amount of websites that people will view in their general browsing, it's, like, dropped drastically. Like, in the early age of the internet, you had to go on every separate site for every bit of information, and now it's something like people will just, on average, just circle around the same four or five websites. So it's kind of like, if anything, they're going to say, oh, that that's a whole other website? Nah. Yeah, it's true. It's I was just as you said that I was like, oh yeah. Today I opened up Facebook, Instagram, Google. Jesus, it's like those are the primary. Dude, of like my whole spread in like of, the early two thousands, I, I remember there was a time when I had like twenty five, thirty websites to go to. Nowadays, there's like six, and yeah. like three of them are for work. Right, that's it. So it's not quite the same world it used to be. Totally. And like I said, we used to have we used to have a site, and I used to monitor what came on, but like. You know, I would say 90% of the traffic was bots, unfortunately. And mm. it's funny when you, you get into it, you realize how many bots there are just probing all your different uh, your different sites, right? Yeah. But really, I mean, how are people going to find Joey? Even if they go on Google, even if they Google your band, you know, it's not even likely that the SEO, like, you know, the optimization is going to make it so that way your website is the first. It's probably going to be Spotify, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, all these big sites that are already <laughs> kind of in bed with Google or, you know. Billions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Trust the band. Trust is a band. Yeah, trust yeah. is a band. I've seen them. Yeah, you have oh, the yeah. French band, French yeah. rock and roll band. Yeah. yeah. So trust the band is a pretty shitty name, actually, because <laughs> it's like I just send them to trust. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? <laughs> is I, so we we made the or we got John Hubcap. There is a guy I don't even I've never met. I've never talked to him. He's called Hubcap John, and he makes guitar pedals. Oh, okay. And it's like every time I look on YouTube, I look up John Hubcap guitar. Hubcap John always made this overdrive pedal. I'm like, God damn, the Hubcap John. Yeah, right. I need this SEO. You got to yeah. get off YouTube, man. <laughs> yeah. So. I was going to start a band called uh, Bill Gates, 
But then I thought differently because he exists. <laughs> Actually, I wonder if that would be a good band name. You're like uh, Bill Gate, the Bill Gates Band. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was there was, there was a, a guy who was a programmer in I think it was Washington State, and his name was Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Mike oh, Rowe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he basically searched all the trademarks of Microsoft and figured out a way he could combine his real name and alluding to Microsoft. Micro. So Microsoft. now all of a sudden yeah, yeah. he was at the top of all the Google pages. <laughs> so window or Bill Gates is like, well, we'll, we'll obviously cease and desist this guy. And they, they find out, oh, you're a programmer. And they pick up the phone and they call him. You're like, yeah, that's pretty smart. So what do you do? And now he works. He's he. They paid for the rest of his education at Windows and Gamer Job. That's awesome. Instead of instead of challenging him, instead of like burying this guy. Yeah, it's like the with, Genghis like, Khan method. Yeah, exactly. You just absorb their fucking. Dude, I should, uh, yeah. I should just like change my name to like Led Zeppelin or something, and then Led Zeppelin can't get mad at me when I release my album, right? Like, <laughs> that's that's <what> my name. <laughs> Dang, dude. Um. So other musicians. Uh, listen to this the this podcast and part of it like the the whole headline of it is understanding the minds methods magic and money behind world-class music um any like final insights ideas things that you want to share with other musicians well if you wanted world-class music you probably shouldn't have got us honestly i i really i really have to support our music you know obviously i wouldn't do it if i didn't i do think that we have really cool products i think that the music and you know i even hate to think of it as a product right because that implies that it's something i I, we really made to sell but and then it it wasn't really all the stuff we made was music that was made from some sort of a passion we wanted to write a song with a cool riff that we wrote we wanted to write a song about this we wanted to jam it out you know, whatever it was you know it's something that we we stand behind right like it's i don't i would i would you know maybe we're not world class because we're not going to be up to the musicianship of like snarky puppy or something but i think there's the no end, comparison yo 20 20 is a fucking sick song it's a world class no, song hey, thank you my yeah. man yeah i loved it i love your shows you guys yeah, so yeah, well, there's no comparison. There's I, I, I'm excited for the new stuff coming out. We've, Man, it is going to be insane when we get this new stuff recorded. We got this song called Black Door. I think it's one of the coolest songs we've ever written. We're going to record it. It's going to kill. We got a song called Drag on Drags that's going to kill. We Drag have on Drags? Drag on Drags. As in you're, you're Drag on Drags. You're dragging uh, okay. on the dregs of society. Okay, right? okay. I.e. the punk drags. metal guys who exist. Anyways, they're all songs... At, you know, and they're, they're real ideas. And maybe we're not world class, but I 100% would support them and stand by them. I disagree fully. You guys are world class. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that we're, we're doing, yeah, that we're doing this here for the first time with you guys. Oh, yeah. We appreciate coming on, man. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, the biggest insight that I can really offer anybody is like basically practice, um, be patient, um, Expect everyone to lie to you. Expect everyone to steal money from you. Oh, okay. okay. Here um, we go. <laughs> expect your gear to get stolen at a show. 
Um, yeah, go to the bunk if you haven't figured it yeah. out. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I, yeah, trust me. There's there's the good side of the music industry and the bad side of the music industry. You got to be street smart enough to be able to roll and duck with the bad side of the music industry because especially when you walk into a venue you've never heard of, using a promoter you never heard of, walking into a scene you never heard of or a part of, all you have to do is look at someone the wrong way accidentally and your night is fucked. Equally, all you have to do is say the right thing nicely to the right person and your night is golden. So it's a lot of common sense and street sense and being aware of what's around you. Do your homework about where you're going and playing and stuff like that because it comes down to are you prepared to say no to that show? Well, that's a great venue. I've seen lots of shows there and blah, 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 blah. When was the last time you saw a non-touring band from your city play that venue and were you at the show? And if the answer is no, why are you playing there? Are you opening up for someone who's no? No. Is it is it put on by a promoter you heard of? Yes or no? Well, I've heard of this guy. Have you ever been to any of the shows? No. Well, why not? First of all, support your scene. Get to know who everybody is. Then you get to be cool and be on podcasts and stuff just like that. But yeah, do your homework, practice, and be smart. And always be prepared to say no. Vince? That was a uh, gourd wisdom. Yeah, some good. <laughs> we love it. Um, he, he isn't just playing bass. He's setting foundations for the band. That's what he's doing. Yeah, Pouring right. concrete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I would say is um, keep it going, man. Yeah. Fucking yeah, right. Because, yeah. because like... One of the things is, like, if you put that on your fucking musician resume, I've been playing for 20 years, people are going to take you seriously, like, in an instant. Like, yeah. yeah. And we've been playing for a year and a half, and when you say that to people, they're like, oh, shit, you're really fucking good for a band that's been playing for a year and a half. Yeah, they don't know that. Yeah, they, they don't know, like, the, the context that was before, but we've been playing together for a year and a half. And the point is, they didn't know that they didn't, They, they thought they were playing like way 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 before that you know together right so and keep it going and also don't like don't be too hard on yourself like yeah, it's the fucking way she goes man okay. <laughs> <Where did she laughs> go fucking way she goes way man. she goes bud <laughs> some yeah, Ontario I, wisdom I parrot what all these three guys just said and then uh, I think I haven't even talked yet. Wait, have you not? I thought you haven't given your wisdom. You give your wisdom and then I'll talk about the uh, Okay, guys. okay, okay. Well, I'll probably... <laughs> I'll probably parrot... I've definitely parroted what two people said and probably the other one. Uh, the wisdom I'd say is just like... Enjoy it as well. Just enjoy it. Just remember, like, not everyone plays an instrument. Not everyone plays in a band. Not everyone does what we do, and it's a very special thing. Just enjoy it, fucking have fun. Like, yes, a show is work, and yes, uh, being in a band is work, and yes, is uh, you know, it's something to be taken seriously. But also, we're we're not just doing it. If we just did it for money, we'd go stock trading or whatever. I don't know how the fuck it works, oh. but but we're just but like we're doing it because we love it, and we're doing it because we love music, and we want to be creative. So don't forget to fucking enjoy it. Uh, our, our we've talked a lot of business, but fucking have fun enjoy it and yeah 
So, I mean, hey, I I am now talking about the other three guys. I'm the other guy, as Mike said, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think the biggest point is again, just do what you want to do, because at the end of the day, like that's the important part. Chances are, well, I don't even want to say chances are, but you don't start out making money in this, and uh, you know, you pick up your guitar not because you want to make money for the first time, but you pick it up because you love the music or there's something you want to do, and it, things change over time. You know, when I first started, I wanted to play like super heavy, like death metal and over time it was jazz and blues and classical and i just you, you go with the flow and you do what you want to do and uh for a creative outlet that's really all you got to do so john hubcap motherfucker go to spotify go to facebook go to instagram follow them listen to the fucking music listen to 20 dollars, dude it's sick as fuck hope you're having a great day take care for now Hey, thank you, Trust the Band. Trust the Band. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> Trust the Podcast. Trust the, Trust the Band, man. Trust the fucking band. Right up your bungus.